Hey, happy two for Tuesday, everybody. How you doing? Yes, two for Tuesday. We're going to begin it with a two-game series against the Baltimore Orioles. And we'll be going against two pretty intriguing pitchers for Baltimore. First of all, we're going to mean business today when we go against John Means. Coming off his no-hit performance. What a game he pitched. One of the better games you'll ever see pitched. He'll be going tonight. And then before the sun sets tomorrow, we'll have completed the second game. And it'll be Wednesday. And tomorrow, Wednesday in New York, will once again be Happy Harvey Day. Yes, indeed. Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight, graces the mound where he achieved his initial success at Flushing by the Bay in City Field. Should be a fun, fun series. Let's call it a rematch of the 69 World Series. Let's really get dramatic about this. But it'll be good having Matt back. Matt was one of our all-time highly anticipated rookies. Now, unfortunately, close your eyes, Met fans. Close your ears if you don't want to hear this. But another Met who could have been making a highly anticipated debut for the Mets will be making their debut, and it may be tonight. But it's going to be sometime this week. But it won't be with the Mets. It's Jared Kalenic. The highly touted prospect center fielder who's getting more and more accolades as he plays in the minors is expected to make his debut with the Mariners. Yes, he was the number three overall prospect in baseball. He is the number three overall prospect in baseball. At one time, he was property of the Metropolitans. This one's going to sting. Uh, it's always, no matter how good Edwin Diaz is going to be, and it looks like he'll, I, I'm very high on Edwin Diaz, always has been, always have been, I know relievers sometimes happen off year, but there's too much stuff, and he's got too high of a young arm for him not to be good, but Robbie Cano is, will always be associated with Jared Kalenic, and that's going to be a tough one to, uh, shake off. Uh, I think Kalenic actually is making his debut Thursday against the Indians, uh, but the Cano thing is really going to sting for a long, long time if this kid really does well. Uh, Cano is sitting out the season for violating baseball's PED policy a second time. And uh, like I said, Diaz is getting better. Uh, mixed results, but a lot better results this year. But Kalenic was the sixth overall pick in the 2018 draft, and so far he's got nine for 20 with two homers, six RBIs, and two stolen bases. In five games with Triple A Tacoma. Uh, Kalenic might have made his debut last season had Seattle not been manipulating his service time in order to keep him under team control. And uh, that was a sore point with the Mariners, their fans, that former CEO Kevin Mather revealed in February that they were doing that. And Mather came out and said money shouldn't determine when a player is called up to the big leagues. Uh... And Mather got in a little hot water, too, when he started making racist remarks about Mariners' employees, which led to his uh, resigning. Uh, he did say this should be an exciting time for baseball. We had such a negative year with COVID and everything shutting down. This is what we've been waiting for. And now the day before spring training is what we had to deal with in regards to Kalenic. Uh He won't be available for free aging now in 2027 because of the delay by the Mariners. So it was probably strictly a business move by them. Uh, 
Mariner GM DePoto, uh, Jerry DePoto, former Met, apologized to Clinic for Mather's comments, but denied service time manipulation, which is practically lying through your teeth. And that's a taboo strategy many teams partake in, but don't talk about public publicly. Did it cost the Mariners? Well, they're 18-17. They're in the thick of things in the AOS as of Monday. And they're trying to snap out of a 19-year playoff drought, which is the longest active streak in North American professional sports. And I think Hellenic will help them in that regard, whether this year or but it will happen somewhere along the lines. They got another kid in outfield, I think his name is Rodriguez, really lighting it up, and he should be up next year. So they'll have potentially three rookie of the year outfielders. They had Lewis, was it Lewis? Who's this guy's name? The outfielder for him last year, rookie of the year. Lewis? I can't even remember. But anyway, they got a stacked outfield. And now, another topic we can talk about since we don't have any games to talk about from last night is the uh, Mets hitting coaches, the new hitting coaches. Did they reinvigorate the Mets? Uh, it seems like they're stressing patience, patience, patience. And the Mets are trying to focus on swinging and only strikeouts. And uh, when they take that approach, it results in walks. And uh, the offense is still waiting to break out. There's no arguing with the five-game streak that the Mets are taking into the uh, winning streak that they're taking into the uh, series against the Orioles. They've averaged 4.8 runs per game. But... They have shrunk the strike zone a little bit, and they seem to be getting better at uh, pitches because the Mets have averaged 6.6 walks during the winning streak. Now, is that a result of pitchers' bad control? I don't know. But before that, they were averaging 3.33 walks per game. Uh, even Rojas said the quality of bats has been a little bit more consistent. You can say that, but it's been a point of focus since day one. Conforto did say that Davis and Slater were aware of the team's chase rate, even if it necessarily wasn't a front-burner issue. How can it not be? In this day and age, you've got to know not to chase pitches. But even Conforto snapped to and out of his funk. And you can see Lindor, McCann, and McNeil uh, still waiting to get on track offensively, although they've been breaking out a little bit. And uh, Nimmo and Davis have been on the injured reserve list. So I think in due time, everything's going to work out as far as offense. But you know what? Despite all of this, we're still in first place. So I think I'm going to have to start wearing shades because the future may be only getting brighter. Uh, but the only thing that's not bright right now is Jacob DeGrom. And... Uh, it's now his lower back that's hurting him. Now, did he hurt it when he ran down the bases with that bunt, when he laid down a bunt single? Uh, who knows? Uh, but the team reported that the MRI they, MRI they took showed no structural damage in their aces back. Uh, but nonetheless, he has right side tightness and was placed on the IL. Uh, there is no good time to lose your player, but check this out. The Mets had three off days and 11 days beginning Monday. Thus, if the Grom returns at the earliest date, May 21st in Miami, he would miss just one full rotation turn. <clears throat> then there's also this. You have to realize that as good as the Grom has been, they're just 3-3 three and three when he starts, continuing with Trenum, not maximizing victories when he pitches. <clears throat> but their 13-10 and 10 record when the Grom doesn't start accentuates greater talent and depth to withstand his short absence. So... 
Uh, is it addition by subtraction? Do the Mets suddenly become better when the Grom's not pitching offensively? We'll find out in the next 10 days, I guess. Um, like I said, team still really hasn't busted out offensively. Uh, they're carrying over where they were last year, 2020, by not scoring with men and running scoring positions. Uh, and I think it's only a matter of time before Lindor and Smith, Dom Smith start hitting with runners in scoring position too. Uh, and as far as the ground being out, <clears throat> I know Stroman and Walker aren't the ground, <clears throat> but they've pitched very, very well. And if it wasn't for the ground, they'd be getting a lot of attention. And let's not forget the bullpen. Uh, from Edwin Diaz to Tommy Hunter, they've all performed well. And the setup quartet has been fab. Just like the Beatles, the fab four of Castro, Familia, Loop, and May has a 1.65 ERA and one homer allowed in 42 and two-thirds innings. And if you put on your long-distance viewing glasses, you could see Seth Lugo, Carlos Carrasco, and Noah Syndergaard in the picture. Probably all within the next month or so, they'll all be back. So... The Mets and the Braves, you got to look at these two teams as being the most talented uh, and the teams with the most depth in the NL East. And after it all pans out, you never know in baseball, but I think it's going to be a two-team race between the other ones. The Phillies uh, have a shot. Uh, Nationals look like they're not going to be able to live up to their potential. And uh, the Marlins are just too far away right now. you got to give them time to develop. It's not a 60-game schedule this year for the Marlins, so hate to be blunt about that, but it's the truth. Uh, and with the whole raccoon, raccoon, whatever it is thing, maybe that shook the Mets up a little bit, and maybe now they'll be focused on baseball, trying to be better players. Now, let's not forget Donnie Stevenson. Got to give uh, Pete Alonzo uh, credit for taking on that role. Uh, that's what a leader does. He kind of lessens the struts around the non-hitting team. And uh, as stupid as what Lindor did by saying about the road entail, he didn't want the altercation between him and McNeil to get publicity. So he did everything he could, and he did it with a jovial smile and some humor. Uh, and even Louis Rojas even tried to fuse it multiple times by saying the Mets are family, but of course so were the Gambinos. And I guess the Gambinos did whatever they had to do to uh, get the job done. Uh, Zach Scott thought maybe Lindor handled a little bit poorly. Uh, but were the Mets overreacting before uh, the season really, really kicks in? Uh, who knows? But in another week or two, we'll forget all about this. And maybe in another week or two, we're really cruising. So, let's hope. Uh like I said, the pitching depth is going to be there, and they've gone 13-10 and 10 when the Grom hasn't started. It's a long season. Uh, anything can happen, but I do like what's going on. <clears throat> on a sadder note, the Todd father, who brought some... He was a fan favorite, without a doubt. He was a character. Unfortunately, he was designated for assignments by, by the Pirates on Monday, and he was just hitting .86 in 13 games. He had three hits and 35 at-bats with no homers and four RBIs. Uh, played for both the Yanks and the Mets, but he was always good. Good for a quote. Nice guy. Seemed to love the game. And uh, good luck to the Todd father.
Once a Met, always a Met. So good luck to you. And like I said, we just got to get through the ground for 10 days and hopefully we pull the right strings. And uh, all the chaos of Lindor and uh, McNeil and Donnie Stevenson brought a few smiles to our faces. So hopefully we're on our way. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a fun two days. You know, midweek in May against the Orioles, you wouldn't think that what means and Harvey going means after there's no hitter and Harvey tomorrow should be a good, fun couple of days. So looking forward to it. Hope you are. And when we come back, we're going to do our usual fun Met stuff. All right, Met fans, welcome back to the second part of the show, the fun stuff part of the show. And as always, we do our Met trivia question of the day. And, yes, we do our Mets Jeopardy question of the day. Who's ready? So you raise your hands. I'm not going to start unless I see you raise your hands. Okay, there we go. Everybody's ready. Good job, kids. Good, good job. What should we do first? All right, we'll do the Met Jeopardy first. Now, today's Mets Final Jeopardy. Two clues. First one, in 2005, he signed a minor league contract with the New York Mets and was called up to the majors in July. Second clue, was a member of the Puerto Rico national team in the 2006 World Baseball Classic and joined the Almegas de Tabasco for the rest of the summer. I'll repeat the two clues again. First clue, in 2005, he signed a minor league contract with the New York Mets and was called up to the majors in July. Second clue, was a member of the Puerto Rico national team in the 2006 World Baseball Classic and joined the Omegas de Tabasco for the rest of the summer. Now, today's Met trivia question. Who's ready? Here we go. Tom Seaver was the Mets opening day starter from 1968 to 1977. Who was the Mets opening day starter before Seaver began his streak in 1967? I'll repeat it one more time. Today's Met trivia question. Tom Seaver was the Mets opening day starter from 1968 to 1977. Who was the Mets opening day starter before Seaver began his streak in 1967. Lock in your answers, and we'll be back at the end of the broadcast to tell you how you did. Now we go to our Met fun stuff of the day. This day in Met history. Today is May 11th, and we are celebrating three Met birthdays today. The first one is Jerry Martin. Who remembers Jerry when he played for the Mets in 1984? He was a good defensive outfielder. He played for the Phillies in 74-78, the Cubs 79-80, Giants 81, Royals 82-83. And then he finished up his career with the New York Mets. Uh, played 51 games, 91 at-bats, primarily in the outfield. Uh, right field for 21 games, left field 9. And uh, the rest of the time, pinch hitting or coming in as defense. Only batted 154, but Jerry Martin wore number nine. Just like, I think J.C. Martin also wore number nine. How ironic, huh? So Jerry Martin, happy birthday, Jerry, former New York Met outfielder. 
Second birthday we're celebrating. Walt Terrell, the Bulldog. Who remembers Walt? Wore number nine, number 49 with the Mets. Started his career with the Mets. And of course he was involved in that famous trade where he came with Ron Darling to the New York Mets in exchange for the matinee idol, Lee Mazzelli. Then the Mets flipped around and traded him on December 7th, 1984. Had a good year with us in 84, too. Went 11 wins, 12 losses, 3.52 ERA. But what a trade that was when we look back. We got Howard Johnson exchanged for Walt Terrell. One of the better trades in Met history. And Walt Terrell was a good pitcher. Not poo-pooing him at all. But getting Hojo, who really blossomed the Met, was a great deal. Uh, also celebrating today, birthday today is current Met. Jordan Yamamoto, number 45. Who knows? He may be starting sooner than we think. Uh, played with the Marlins in 19 and 20, and now he's with us. So far, he's pitched one game, and he's got a win. 2.2 innings, and he's got a win, so not bad. Uh, hopefully, more success on the way for Jordan. Uh, also on this day in men's history, the Mets purchased Chuck Hiller from the San Francisco Giants on May 11, 1965. This day in men's history, we one of the more famous trades in baseball history, not necessarily impactful as far as the standings but in, in, in terms of impact and what it meant to baseball I mean Giants couldn't guarantee Willie Mays that long-term service contract after after his career expired and the Giants were kind of hurting for cash so they ended up trading Willie to the Mets for Charlie Williams on this day of May 11 1972 then the Mets traded rookie Nelson Nelson yeah, not the traveling man or whatever the Nelsons were. The, remember, they were a pretty good band. Uh, but anyway, uh, what was the one? Garden Party. I think Ricky Nay yeah, Garden Party. That was his famous hit after he was all said and done. He was traded, Ricky Nelson was traded to the Cleveland Indians for Don Schultz on May 11, 1987. Then in 1993, Mark Dewey was claimed from the Mets. By the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then on 1995 on this date, Mike Remlinger was uh, traded to the Cincinnati Reds for Kobe Cradle. So how about that? These are transactions that actually happened in Met history. So write them down. You'll never know when you'll need this information. Now for today's game, we're going to go to the Houston Astrodome. 1988. What a good year for the Mets. Mets won 100 games that year and had a very, very good team and actually probably should have been world champions again or at least in the World Series, but it just didn't work out that way. What a pitching matchup we had that night. Dwight Gooden against Mike Scott. So you figure it's going to be a low-scoring type ball game, don't you? Well, in baseball, expect the unexpected because uh, Dwight Gooden ended up giving seven earned runs that day and Mike Scott ended up giving up five earned runs. Even though they both pitched six innings, they got roughed up later on in their outing. Uh, Houston got off to a 2 nothing lead in the first. Mets tied it up with two in the fourth. And the Astros got three more in the bottom of the fourth. Mets tied it up on top of the fifth. So it was a 5-5 game after five. Then the Astros put it away with two in the bottom of the sixth. Make it 7-5. 8-5 after eight. And then the Mets tied it up. A thriller. 8-8 after 9 innings. And then the Mets went ahead and pulled away. 
top of the ninth, tenth inning. What a game. So, yeah, it was, it was a thrower, that's for sure. Uh, and uh, in the ninth inning, the big blow, big, big blow was uh, Lolly Backman with a three-run double. On the ninth inning, tie it up. And then the winning run came home on a base hit by pinch hitter Kevin McReynolds in the top of the 10th. So it was a thrower in a dome, and the Mets were still owning the Astros. So you're probably wondering, how are the teams doing coming into that game? Well, the Mets were rocking and rolling. 88, they were doing just as good as they did in uh, 86 to start the year almost. They were 22-8 and eight going into that game. Uh, the Astros were two behind the, uh, uh, three behind the Dodgers coming into the game at 17-13. and 13. So that rocket dropped to 17 and 14. So both teams, two years later, after they met in the LCS, were still doing well in uh, their respective divisions. But another thrilling game in Met history, the Mets at the Dome. The lineup for the Mets that day, Dykstra leading off playing center field, Backman second base batting second, Keith Hernandez batting third, first base, Daryl Strawberry right field batting fourth. Maz was actually batting fifth. Uh, left field, Gary Carter, catching, batting sixth. Hojo, uh, one, played third. And then, uh, he switched over to short later in the game. He was batting seven. And Kevin Elster was the starting shortstop for the Mets. Like I said, rough outing for Dwight. But it didn't matter. Terry Leach got the win in victory. And the Mets went on to have a good year that year. So now we're going to go back to our Met baseball history. And our Met Jeopardy question of the day. Who's ready? Okay, again, I'll read the Met Jeopardy question to you. In 2005, he signed a minor league contract with the New York Mets and was called up to the majors in July. Second clue was a member of the Puerto Rico national team in 2006 World Baseball Classic and joined the Omegas de Tabasco for the rest of this summer. The correct answer is... Who is Jose Santiago? Now, today's Met Trivia question of the day. Who's ready? And the question is, Tom Seaver was the Mets opening day starter from 1968 to 1977. Who was the Mets opening day starter before Seaver began his streak in 1967? The opening day pitcher for the Mets in 1967 was Don Cardwell. Congrats to all those who got the answers right. Great job as always. And that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, tonight, I will make an appearance at City Field. And I intend to go tomorrow too for Happy Harvey Day. Both days should be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. See if John Means can continue his magic. He, uh, coming off a no-no and a really well pitched, just not a no-no. He pitched a very, very good game. And tomorrow, Happy Harvey Day comes to City Field. Matt Harvey makes his first appearance as, on the mound as an opponent in City Field history. It should be fun. Wondering what the crowd reaction is going to be. I'm going to give Matt a big, big hand. Actually, he brought a lot of great memories to us, but I'll be rooting against them. And yes, 
I'll even be wearing a Harvey jersey, one of my old Harvey jerseys to the game to show a little respect for all he did for us Met fans. And that's it. Check in tomorrow with the update. Uh, hopefully it's a win. And if it is, you'll be the first to hear all about it here. So again, thank you for your support. Please, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, please do. Uh, if you listen to this podcast on one of your carriers, uh, please subscribe so you'll be updated every time we do have an update. Again, thanks again, and let's go Mets. Talk to you tomorrow.